Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 1, and we'll read 20 verses of Scripture, going to read from the New King James tonight. Merry Christmas to each and every one. We do have notes for you, a passage that we've preached from many times before. I believe and trust that your life is going to be changed because of the preaching of God's Word tonight. Luke 2, verse 1. And came to pass on those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And all the women said, Amen. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is called Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Everybody say, this will be a sign. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, pardon me, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the Shepherds said one to another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, thank you for this amazing day that we've had today in church. With so many hundreds of people that have come through this place. And even tonight, those that are gathered come from far and near to hear your word, to worship you and have fellowship one with another. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in power. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Move in our hearts. Move in our lives. Increase your activity among us right now. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. In John 1 and 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world as he points to Jesus. And Jesus comes. And if you think about that, that, that saying, the, the the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. A, a closer look at John the Baptist's statement reveals that Jesus is the Lamb of God. I mean, that's what he's saying. Here's Jesus, the Lamb of God. 
a gift to all mankind. He was, he was saying that here's the one who's going to take away the sins of the whole world as he pointed to Jesus. And it could refer to this Lamb of God statement, could refer to the sacrificial system Jews around John the Baptist would have thought maybe any number of different things would come to mind. The completion of the sacrificial system, they all knew about the Messiah. They knew about the sacrificial system. They knew about how in Genesis 3, at the fall of man, God came to the garden looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? And Adam was hiding. God gave him an opportunity, I believe, to repent, but he, he hid and he said, I, we knew we were naked and we, who told you this? And you know, it was the serpent and the woman. He blames his wife. <laughs> Bad idea. And curse comes down on mankind, and God covers their nakedness. They tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves, which is a picture of religion. Religion will try to cover your own shame, cover your own nakedness, and you can't do it. That's all religion is, a bunch of fig leaves. It's only the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so what God does is he proclaims what theologians call the proto-evangelum. It's the first time the gospel is preached. It's the first time the curse is pronounced over the woman in childbirth and pain. He said, but you'll bring forth your seed, will crush the head of Satan, and, and he will strike at your heel, but you will crush the head of Satan. It's the prophetic word first declared about the Messiah, about the Savior. And then he covers their nakedness, not with, not with fig leaves, but, but with a animal skin. And it's the first sacrifice, really, that takes place. And they're covered with an animal skin. And we don't know what kind of skin, because it doesn't say. But what would make sense to me, as I've studied the scriptures, is that they would be covered with the skin of a lamb. Because throughout the sacrificial system, you see the blood and the blood of the lamb being used to, to cover their sin. It says in Leviticus 17 and 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given, you, I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. In Hebrews 9, verse 22, in fact, it says, In fact, the law requires nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So as John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God, you have to know that those in the hearing of John the Baptist we're most likely bringing to recollection what that meant, the Lamb of God. Kind of amazing, really. We don't know really all that they were thinking because the text doesn't tell us, but we can assume some things being Jews. It could have brought to mind the ram that was in the place of Abraham's son. Many of you know that text. Abraham goes with his son. And I've, I've heard... It said that he was in his 17 or so, but I read rabbinic works that say he was in his 30s. Wow, submitted to dad. And they go up the mountain with the fire and the knife and the sacrifice, and 
You know, Isaac says, well, where's the sacrifice? And he says, well, God will provide. And he puts his son on the altar, and then the angel shows up. And the angel shows him a ram in the thicket. Maybe they were thinking about that. It's amazing, actually, they're in their same region, the region of Moriah. The lamb was a sacrifice for sin. Let me read this to you, Leviticus 4 and 22 through 20, through, pardon me, 30, Leviticus 4, 32 through 35. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Without what? Without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it as a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. So the priest would make atonement for his sin, the sin committed, by sacrificing a lamb. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 prophesies that the Messiah would come and be a suffering servant. In Isaiah 53 verse 3, and I'll read it to you. He was despised and rejected by men. Listen, if you ask any Jew who knows the word of God, and you read this to him, They'll tell you he's talking about the Messiah. They all know this is in reference to the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears are silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave among the wicked, but with the rich at his... And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor is there any deceit. In his mouth, verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And it goes on and on. It is absolutely profound. Isaiah is prophesying about the Lamb of God. He's prophesying about the Messiah. He's prophesying about Emmanuel. He's prophesying about Jesus. And when Jesus is there and John points to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, it was clear that Jesus was being referred to as the right in your notes to Passover lamb that brought protection and redemption. You think about the, the final plague, the death of the firstborn. It was a lamb that each household in Egypt would take a lamb in the Exodus, it's written. And they would put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lentil. And so Jesus is the lamb of God. And that's what John the Baptist was referring to. 
So you say, well, what does that have to do with the Christmas story? Well, I'm glad you asked. I had the great joy of going to Israel. We had planned on going over this, uh, on this next trip in February, but felt uh, the Lord had us to hold back on this this year for a number of reasons. But having gone there, I, I've been to Bethlehem. And we took a bus from, from Jerusalem to, to Bethlehem. And, and we went up from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And, and it was a profound trip. If you've never been to Israel, perhaps you'll get the opportunity to go. It's only about 10 miles from Jerusalem. It's close. It's really a distant, walking distance. You know, certainly for them. We would drunk, jump in our cars and drive it. But, you know, they, would, they didn't have cars in Jesus' day. And as we were leaving uh, the place where it is considered the birthplace of the cave where the manger was, we went and saw that and uh, reached our hand through a hole and touched the ground of the cave. And, you know, you, you don't know for sure. There, there Some places, you know, if a 10 would be absolutely that's where it happened and a 1 would be, um, who knows, this, this place, the birth of Jesus and this church that's over it is about a seven. So thousands of years ago, that's pretty accurate. I was walking through, I'm like, I ain't touching no hand on no cave. I, ain't I got there, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm touching. Put my hand through this silver 14 point star and touched the cave. Dr. Morocco did the same thing. He said, you know, I never touched that cave, but I'm gonna touch it this time. I said, okay. So we leave there, and our guide points out these shepherd fields, the fields where the shepherds were. And do you know what happens there today? The same thing. They're not built up. It's open. It's a place where there's, there's sheep herding going on. And we know from history that that place in Bethlehem is the very place that the temple would get their sheep for the sacrifice from. That's where the lambs that would be sacrificed at the temple would come from. They came from the shepherd fields of Bethlehem. Amen. Now, in light of that, let's look at some fascinating things. It says, it'll be a sign unto you, the text says. And it goes on to talk about, now the NIV messes it up along with a number of other scriptures. The King James does a far better job but the actual Greek word, there'll be a sign, there'll be a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were bandages for a Jew, understand, understand this now, for a Jew to take a long journey from, from uh, where Joseph and Mary were traveling, about 100 miles, they would take... Uh, swaddling clothes or grave clothes and tie them around their waist by, by one scholar's report. And so that if they were to die on a 100-mile journey, they would not be left defiled as Jews in the field. They would have something to wrap them and prepare them for being put in the grave. And so they would carry their own death clothes around their waist just in case. So when the baby is born, when Jesus is born... They wrapped their child, of course, in what they had. There was no room in the inn. They had nothing. 
and they wrap this baby in swaddling clothes, which are basically death clothes. Now watch this. Um, I, I should reference this. In Ezekiel 30, verse 20, the Septuagint, how many of you know what the Septuagint is? It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's called the Septuagint. So the Septuagint uses the same Greek word in Ezekiel 30, verse 21, and it's a picture of swaddling clothes. That Greek word is for bandaging a broken bone in Ezekiel 30, verse 21. Same word used here in Luke. And so we know from history that the shepherds feel right back in your notes. Bethlehem were raised for the, the sheep for the temple sacrifice. The sheep had to be without defect. Are you all there with me? It was suggested that the sheep would have their legs wrapped in these similar swaddling clothes when they took the 10-mile hike to the temple. So if a, if a shepherd was to bring the sheep up to the temple for the sacrifice, they had to be without defect. And there's rocks all over, and it's to go up to Jerusalem. It's 10 miles, and it's up a grade. And it's a pretty significant grade. And so they would wrap these lambs' legs, the sheep legs, with these swaddling clothes so when they banged themselves on a rock, it wouldn't bring a defect. Kind of amazing. And so when they say you're going to see a, the Lamb of God wrapped in swaddling clothes, you've got to know what they're saying. They're saying glory to God in the highest. God's lamb, the final sacrifice, the last Adam, has been born according to the Old Testament prophecies. Has been born and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes like you, like you would wrap the legs of a lamb that would go up for a sacrifice. And they went and they saw and they were blown away. A sign unto you. Amazing. Come on, somebody say that's amazing. That is truly amazing. Wow. My, my, my. How do you respond to the truth of, behold, the Lamb of God? How do you respond to the truth that, you know, the more I study God's Word, the more I study God's Word, the more my faith grows and the more I just get absolutely blown away. It's only ignoramuses that would say that man wrote it and it has no significance and, it's, and it undermines itself or contradicts itself. When someone says the Bible contradicts itself, say it proves their own stupidity and lack of study. Just saying. Bible contradicts itself and I go, oh, you're stupid. So let me see if I can help you. Oh, come on. It's all right. We've all been stupid at some time or another. It's the amplified version, boys. All right, how do we respond to the truth as we behold Jesus as the Lamb of God? Well, the first thing is all of our human efforts don't save us. It doesn't matter how good you are, and you really ain't all that good. Anyway, you might think you are, but that's also pride. None of our human efforts will save us. That's what Christmas is about. You've got to choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've got to choose. Adam and Eve chose. They chose wrongly. Joshua chose. He would serve. He said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. David chose to repent when Nathan was confronting him. The kings of old chose. 
Joseph chose, Mary chose, and you have to choose. God's not going to make you do it, but he'll present to you these incredible truths. I mean, isn't that amazing? You'll find a child, the lamb, the lamb of God, wrapped in swaddling cloths, just like you wrap your lambs to bring to the sacrifice. It's the last one, boys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I can hear it in my head, but I can't sing it. <laughs> kind of amazing. And it's amazing to me also that shepherds would be the ones that, get, that bring the herald the herald of truth. These guys smelled like sheep. And furthermore, they weren't even trusted to be able to give testimony before a court of law. That's not that amazing. Because God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He steps over qualified people. He steps over people who seemingly might think they have it. And he'll touch someone whose heart is right before God. Oh, they might be threshing, threshing wheat at a, at a, at a, at a, wine, uh, a wine, you know, press. But in their heart of hearts, they want to be a champion for God. God will define you by your heart's cry. And I, I think these shepherds just, would just want to, oh, send the Messiah. Well. Come on, someone say praise the Lord. Amen. How do we respond to the truth that Jesus is the Lamb of God? None of our efforts will save us, for, for we're sinners, therefore we need a Savior. We've got to choose to receive Jesus. Thirdly. We have to be redeemed and set free from sin and Satan. We must live holy so we're not ensnared again by the enemy. 1 Peter 1 and 17, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Listen, listen, I'm not going to preach long to you. I'm almost done. You were, not, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb, without blemish and spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls, verse 22, Minister Micah, please, in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. Having been what? Born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Hallelujah. We are really to be like the shepherds. To proclaim what God has done everywhere we go. Okay, Minister Micah, I want to sing it. Go tell it on the mountain. That's what I want to sing. Because that comes right out of this text. Come on. Over the hills and everywhere. Come on, a shepherd is born. That's what Christmas is. Come on, you, you go into your holiday time. I hope we get to see you at, at our, our candlelight communion service. If we don't, you have the most incredible Christmas and know that Jesus is the reason for the season. Exchange gifts and have a wonderful time. Rejoice, have a love feast. 
because the Savior is born and you and I aren't going to hell. Hallelujah. We're headed to heaven. We can be free. We can be healed. We can be whole. Come on. Did you get something tonight? Stand up on your feet all across this place. Are you ready? Come on. Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.